Well, I'm excited to have you join us today in this particular Sunday because we are launching our theme for 2024. Now, last week we thought, oh, some people might not be around, and so we should wait one extra week, let Bobby and Kathleen get back from vacation, and then able to get all together to launch our week. But guess what? Last week was incredible service. So many people who came last week to be a part of our first week of the year, and so we give God the praise and honor for that. Amen. Amen. We are, are excited because we, we truly believe, we've talked about it in staff a few times, uh, even this last week, saying uh, God's doing something. Um, people are, are able to see that God is doing something, but they're also being drawn by the Holy Spirit to come and check things out. So we believe that God has opened some doors for us. We believe that we've been in the newspaper a few extra times lately. Uh, and so those things, God works for his purposes to draw people out, to let people know that God is doing something here at Calvary Church. And so today, today is our Name the Year Sunday. Name the Year Sunday. And we, I personally have done this at former churches that I was lead pastor at where we have named the year, uh, given it a, a name that we feel that God's just laid on our heart and our spirit to be a theme for this coming year. And as we headed into the Advent season, I remember just praying again, as I would normally do that time of year, say, Lord, is there a word that you have for the church today, a word that's specific for Calvary? And this year, it's with great anticipation that we do launch our year of transformation. Our year of transformation at Calvary. Yeah, you can give that to me and give that for me. See, transformation, it depicts a change from one thing into something new. And I sense in my spirit, and I have over the, and you have too, over the last summer and fall season, this primary call to ready ourselves for something new God has for the church. And, and we've said that. And we've stepped into 2024, and we've truly seen this uh, physically, that things have been changing for the church, not only with leadership, but also physically with what's happening in our, in our building. And so some of you may remember that in the middle of December, uh, we made a public knowledge that the church property, which had been for sale for the last few years, has been sold to the city of Peterborough for use of the Peterborough police. And that closing date is February 16th. So we keep that in prayer, don't we? <laughs> it's coming up soon, but we are really excited about all the pieces that have come together for that. And in that physical change that will take place on February 16th, we become leasees instead of owners. Leasees of this building, and we're actually really excited about that. Uh, we're excited because it's great savings to our operational costs, unbelievable savings. It brings us completely out of debt. Someone say amen and amen. Very good. But it also gives us some time because we have a full up to five years and perhaps longer to be able to plan and begin execution of our next steps as a church regarding our new location. And so we know that there will be physical transformation that will be happening this week, this week, this year, that there will be a land search committee formed and architects sought out and like Joshua and the spies will be sending people out to find the promised land. That was a joke. And these will be physical steps that will be signs of transformation at Calvary through 2024 and beyond. And so transformation, it requires physical steps almost 100% of the time. So even as I've been praying and thinking over these, these, uh, this imagery, this theme for 2024, I continually get the imagery of a butterfly. 
that comes to mind as we consider the year of transformation. And so as you might recognize this picture, there's a chrysalis, and, and I'm excited because Lindsay Cox, who is doing our artwork for us today during our service, she has chosen a butterfly theme as well to pull into this year's theme. And the butterfly, as you know, is known for its life cycles. It's the master of metamorphosis, isn't it? And the imagery, it seems fitting. It's fitting. Fitting for a church that has had many life cycles and a church that represents people who are in various stages of their life cycles, but also their Christian walk, their Christian life. How many people remember when you were in kindergarten or young, or maybe your kids were in kindergarten and that book came out, The Hungry Caterpillar? Do you remember that book? I don't have a picture for you here, but I remember that book clearly because The Hungry Caterpillar was a stage of life, right, which would become a butterfly, spoiler alert, and the caterpillar would eat and eat and eat all it could get, every leaf, everything it could get its its little claws on uh, during that season, and you couldn't get enough food for the caterpillar. Feel like that's some you may have remember that stage in your Christian walk where you couldn't get enough of the Word of God, you couldn't get enough of His Holy Spirit. You just you want it to be transformed, and you were hungry for the things of the Lord. Some of you may be right in that stage right now, and others may be actually just craving to be in that stage again. Let me tell you, it's possible through renewal of the Holy Spirit that you can break transformation, that transformation can come by the Spirit of God so that you're hungry again for the things of faith. And others of you may feel like you are in a cocooning little chrysalis kind of stage where you've become a little more introspective. Maybe you're, you're in a stage where it feels like even a hard surface has formed over your life and you, whether you wanted it to happen or not, Perhaps you feel hidden, or like you're in a dark season right now. I believe this season of transformation may be a little quieter for you, and that's okay. It's something is happening deep under the surface if you allow it. In the season of transformation, although even though we're unsure how it turns out in the end, I am assured that in the Word of God it says, He makes all things beautiful when in his time ecclesiastes 3 11 he makes all things beautiful in his doing so let's take a moment and let's breathe in this truth together today can we do that some of us need to take a deep breath let's let's breathe it in he makes all things beautiful breathe it in he makes all things beautiful in his time Let's do it again just for fun. He makes all things beautiful in his time. Do you remind yourself of that this week? Do you know the most exciting transformation is a transformation that happens on the inside? My heart desire as a pastor, and I know the heart of our staff was this this morning that this year would be a year of transformation on the inside of the men and women and young people and children, people of all ages and stages in their walk with the Lord. 
would have life transformation that would happen from the inside out by the Spirit of God. Amen? <laughs> so with the naming of the year, we have a couple of key verses for this year. And uh, some of you may have noticed a few banners on the wall as you came into the sanctuary today. But we're starting off with this one. There's many scriptures, but we're going to start off with this one. It's kind of the benchmark for this year, and it's been posted and used a lot with new years, but the, the verse is this from Isaiah 43, verse 18 to 19. It says, forget the former things. Let's put it on the slide there. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland, Isaiah 43. See, the old things that Isaiah was referring to were the sins of Israel's past, the defeats in battle. But in the prophetic, in the prophetic, it also represented the old covenant and the judgment that came under the law. The new thing that Isaiah was speaking out was the hope not only of victory from defeat, and forgiveness of Israel's sins. The new thing was the fulfillment that was coming of his covenant. A coming day of hope and redemption that would transform God's people. This is, this is the basis of why we can look forward to a new day. Why we can see transformation come. The Messiah would come and we know that would be Jesus and he would bring new life, he'd bring salvation and transformation from an old way of living to something brand new. And I, I believe that I've heard your stories. There's people here who are here simply because of the reason you were introduced to either church or to the idea of faith. And now you are wondering, what does this really mean? Is there something to this transformation of your life from an old way of living to a new way of living? And so what do I hope to see this year? I, I hope that we, and that as a staff, we hope that this year we'll be, trans, we'll be transformed into the likeness of Christ. That we would be transformed to be fully devoted disciples. That we would be transformed who to be turned into disciples, who would in turn make disciples, which would in turn transform our families, our community, and beyond. Amen? So, so maybe you don't need a new year, new year slogan after all to get you motivated this year, perhaps. What you need is something that I, I saw on a Christian post this last couple of weeks. It said, the world doesn't need a new you. It needs the fullness of who God created you to be. That's the beauty of transformation. Transformation in Christ. He takes who he has made us to be and who he's called us to be. And he brings us to the fullness of who we can be in him in his, and made in his image. And he gives us wings to fly. Not for our own purpose, but for his glory and honor. You know, when I see nature around me and I see things coming into full bloom, I see gardens that have been fully uh, wonderful, full of bloom, and I see uh, birds flying and chirping, and I see butterflies that have come out of their chrysalis, and now they're flying freely. I don't think, oh, a butterfly, they are so amazing. I think, God, man, you're really amazing. 
And that's what I'm going to have happen when people see the transformation of Christ in my life. I'm going to say, hey, Michelle, she's pretty awesome. No, I'm going to say, God is amazing. Look what God can do. Disciples, they identified themselves as fishers of men, didn't they? They were probably pretty good at it, too. Some of them grew up. That's all they knew. They, they would fish. It was the family business. And Jesus came to them. He called them. And then what did he do? He took who they were, and he transformed it to something for him. He said, I'll make you fishers of men. In the flesh, we see ourselves as one thing, but God has the ability to transform us into all he intended us to be if only, if only we would answer the call to follow him. Not just once, but every day, every new year, that we would say, yes, I'm 100% devoted to following you and allowing you to do a transformative work in my life. So over the next four weeks, we're going to unpack, and this is a little bit of an intro message, so I, I apologize for the long intro, but... Over the next four weeks, we're going to unpack. It's a non-exclusive list, but these are areas of transformation that are, are on my heart. We're going to discuss being transformed in our worship today. Our worship is more than music, isn't it? Worship is what we do with our whole life in honor of him, how we respond to him as the king of kings. We want to look at how we're transformed within community. Nothing made me more excited this morning than to walk through the different groups that were meeting for prayer, but to also see training of leaders for small groups that was happening. Our meetups, we call it. Uh, seeing Brent Shepherd over there helping to lead and disciple people in that area of leadership. So excited. Pastor Kathleen's doing a great job. But there is something to be said, and we'll talk about it next week, about transformation happening within community. And then the next week, we're going to talk about transformation in serving others. We're going to introduce a whole bunch of serve teams that are in leadership that has come up from, the, from within the congregation to be able to lead well in different areas and opportunities for you to as well be able to serve and be transformed in that, in that area of ministry. And then finally, we're going to be talking about transformed in mission because it really isn't about us. It's about bringing the gospel to people who need themselves to be transformed by the message of Jesus Christ. So... In light of this verse from Isaiah, we're going to look into today's passage, which is 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I'm going to invite it to be up on the screen at this time. It says this in the NIV. And we all, who with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And every once in a while, I'd like to go to another translation. Uh, and sometimes I share it with you. And so I've gone to another translation. This one uh, is from the New King James Version. And I like the picture it paints. It says this. No, no pun intended over there. No picture being painted. But, but we all, with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but how many of you looked in the mirror this morning? Come on, raise your hand. I can't see you very well. Yes, you looked in the mirror this morning. If you did, no judgment. We're so glad you're so confident that you could just walk up the door and not look in the mirror. 
and be fully confident in who you are in Christ. Amen. Amen. But most of us probably took a glance in our reflection. Most of us probably looked to see clearly what the picture was before we went out the door. Perhaps you checked it again when you came in the door, and maybe two or three other times, we'll pray for you. It's okay. But mirrors in biblical time were not actually perfect reflections. But they did reflect some, they reflected light in enough. Paul is not emphasizing or boasting that we've got it all figured out and we've been transformed by Christ. That we can see exactly who God is. We can explain all the reasons why things happen in the world. We can explain his character over and over and never falter in those moments of interpretation. No, uh, Paul is emphasizing the fact that there are still things that we can't grasp about his holiness. There are things we'll never quite figure out. But it's why today we're going to start with this, this truth about transformation. And the truth is that transformation is a process or a process, depending how you like to say it. But transformation is a process. When we look back on our lives, we can see God's patience with the process of transformation we've been in. Amen? I sure can. And like holding a mirror, we sometimes only see part of the picture. Paul's explaining. And I know that over the years, there's been times when I haven't been able to see clearly who God is. But Paul is saying, we, we with unveiled faces, hold as a mirror the glory of the Lord. We see who God is in part, and we respond to it. But the real emphasis even, isn't even on how we see God. The emphasis is on the very first part of that scripture, which says, with unveiled faces. The transformation process, it teaches us to look at life from different angles so that we better see who God is. But what Paul is saying, what Paul is saying is that Moses at that time He's reminding them, if you look through the whole context of that scripture, that Moses was taught when he was before the Lord, uh, his face would be transformed. He'd go up to the mountain to speak on the people's behalf to the Lord, and his face would actually be transformed to be like glowing, brightness, the glory of God, the fear of God would be on his face, so much so that when he'd come down off the mountain, people would fall down and be afraid to look at Moses because he represented the glory, the glory of God. And I love what David Kuzik says about our unveiled faces because he says these things. Paul invites every Christian to a special glorious intimacy with God. This is a relationship, he says, a transforming power that is not the property of just a few privileged Christians. It can belong to all, to everyone who has an unveiled face. So why is he making this comparison? It's because of the fact that through Christ, through Christ, who is like the promised uh, one who would come to fulfill the fulfill Moses. So Moses was like an archetype, right, of Jesus. And so when he, Jesus, came, he was able to go to the Father on our behalf, and through him, 
we were able to come into relationship and proximity to God himself without having to cover our faces in fear. Without having to be veiled as, as Moses was so that people wouldn't be able to, wouldn't fall dead, wouldn't fall in fear because of the glory of God. There's this intimate relationship that is now ours to access. And Paul says when, that we, with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror, mirror the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed. So we know it's a process. I was doing my studies and I came across this article um, it was from the CSB Institute, and it, it, was a, it was an article titled, titled, Is Spiritual Transformation Really Possible? And there was this man, and he was living, he grew up in the early 60s, living in the deep south. He was a white man, he was reading conspiracy literature, he began getting around people who were also anti-Semitic, who were, became indoctrinated, he was racist, he was a horrible, horrible man. And his life took a turn because while attempting to bomb a Jewish businessman's house, he and his accomplice were caught by the police. And his partner in crime was killed during that arrest, and he himself was badly injured and put in jail. They said he wouldn't even survive, but he did. He was sentenced to 30 years in jail. And to escape from the boredom while he was in prison, what he did is he just started reading everything. It started with the things that he knew, the racism, the hate. He was reading all sorts of, of books that would be at his access or that he would find that could actually affirm what he already thought was his truth. But then the longer he was there in solitude, the longer he was there, he started to have thoughts of learning more, and so he went into looking into philosophy. He read the great philosophers, he read Plato, Aristotle, and the Stoics, and he, he would read these, and this led to some transformation that started to take place as he started to question the meaning of life and why he was put on this earth. So he began to read the New Testament, and he was struck by this verse in Matthew 16, 26. It said this, What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? And he was cut to the heart by this scripture. He said, and I quote, Under conviction of my sins, I was brought to repentance and faith, entrusted my life to Christ in wholehearted surrender. The next morning, he said, I woke with three strong desires in my heart to read the Bible, to pray, and to live for God in a way that was different than before. And as the Apostle Paul had said, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. The fulfillment of that prophecy. The old has passed away. Don't forget the former. There is something new and great we can walk in as believers of Christ. If those who have been repented of our sins and accept Christ as our Lord and Savior. Transformation is a process, but it also starts with freedom in Christ. 
freedom in Christ. If you're trying to bring transformation, if you're just trying for a better self-help, you've been clicking on all the links that keep telling you this is the way to a new you in the new year, and you are thinking, I can't do that. I'm going to try to do that, but I'm pretty sure I can't change the way that I've been for the last 40 years. Now, maybe you know what I'm talking about. But there's a transformation that begins with freedom in Christ that actually changes us into a new creation. And we look at life in a different way. See, it's through the relationship with Christ that we are made worthy and able to have that relationship with God. Jesus, he said, I am the way. It was like he was was shouting it out in the streets. I am the way. You just follow me. It's why he said, come, follow me to all of his disciples, one after the other, because he himself was the way. And he was the only way to the Father, he explained and repenting of wrongdoing, accepting Christ as your Savior is the first step to freedom. If you're here today, if you've been attending Calvary for years, but you've never actually stepped into receiving Christ as your Savior, repenting of your former past, the ways of your life it has, as it has been up to this point, and you want to receive freedom in Christ, can I encourage you, don't leave here today unless you do that. And then if you have done that, but, but no one else knows you're really publicly doing that because we're not assuming everyone here follows Christ. We're just, you like to be with us. That's what we're assuming, right? But if you've never publicly done that, February 4th, is a baptismal service. It's a wonderful opportunity for you to publicly d- display this idea that you are dead to sin and now you are alive to Christ. Forget the former. You're putting that down with the, as you go under the water and when you come up, you're declaring to the world that you are living as a new creation in Christ. Don't skip the steps to finding fulfillment but also full transformation. It begins with freedom in Christ. Instead of worshiping from afar, which I think so many people do. I never assume that someone who I'm talking to, uh, who I've never met before, doesn't have some concept of God. I assume that whether they've made a decision one way or the other, if they're going to serve a God or if they're going to be spiritual, if they're not, but either way, they have some kind of concept. But instead of worship from afar, choose freedom to come near to God. Through Jesus Christ, we do not have to be distant in our relationship. It's the best decision we make in the new year. Amen. Freedom from sin. I really felt that we need to say this freedom from shame, freedom from guilt, freedom from the consequence of sin, which is eternal separation from God. It's serious, folks. Justification by faith. If you would like to receive Christ, don't hesitate, but let today be the day of salvation. Amen? Okay, so transformation, it happens as a process. Transformation begins with freedom in Christ. And transformation, it brings Christ-likeness. That's just it. It brings Christ-likeness. How many Christians do you know who don't look very much like Jesus. 
transformation. It brings Christ-likeness, and it's going to take us an entire year to unpack what that looks like. I mean, even at our staff retreat, if you're looking for staff, they're busy tomorrow. Don't bother them. They're at a staff retreat for the day tomorrow. Uh, but we are talking about what, what does it really look like, the fruit of discipleship? What is it, a Christ follower who's transformed? How does that look, and where can we make opportunities for people to be transformed in that way? Paul says, you are being transformed into the same image of Christ from glory to glory. Strong's concordance, it says, the same image is the image of the Son of God into which true Christians are transformed is likeness not only to the heavenly body, but also to the most holy and blessed state of mind which Christ possesses. When I get stuck, when I don't know which direction to go, when I'm not sure how I should respond because I want to respond in the flesh, then I pray this simple prayer, and I've prayed it with other leaders. I've prayed it with boards. I've prayed it with staff and with individuals who are crying and needing pastoral care. I've prayed, God, give us the mind of Christ for this moment right here. Because the Bible says that we have this access that we are being transformed. And when we are being transformed, we are also being transformed to have the likeness of Christ and the mind of Christ. Holy and blessed state of water. Leviticus 19.2, God said through Moses, be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. And even way back then, God had the plan to send Jesus as our perfect example of holiness, who would not only be our example, but he would make us able to live by the Spirit like him in holiness. And Peter, he reminds the early church after Christ has died and risen from the grave, he, he reminds the early church that a transformed life is a holy life. Don't, uh, don't go for second best in the area of holiness. Peter says this, therefore with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so be what? Holy in all you do. For it is written, and he quotes Leviticus, be holy, because I am holy. Then Jesus is an example of our holiness. And I know that we can have conversations about that further down the road, about consecrating yourselves, about choices, that we have freedom in Christ, that we make choices that are good choices uh, for our lives and for the sake of others as well. But Jesus, he is our example. If you're wondering how to live, look to Jesus. And Jesus, when he, he came up to his cousin John to be baptized, John says, I'm unworthy. I'm unworthy even to baptize you, let alone anything else. And Jesus, he didn't need to repent. He was sinless, but he still chose a life of holiness and consecration. And going through the waters of baptism was, again, his outward sign that we could follow so that others would know that we are choosing transformation, we are choosing new life, and that is through Jesus. And so transformation, it, 
It's a process. It starts with freedom in Christ. It becomes, evolves, and it, it becomes Christ-likeness that is called the sanctification work that's happening within us. But lastly, transformation, it comes from the Holy Spirit, as Paul's explaining in Corinthians, and we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate or look to the Lord's glory or reflect are being transformed in his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from who? The Lord, who is the Spirit. Transformation, we can't forget, comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. And guess what? We get to be active participants in this process of change from the inside out. Forget the former things of the past. Do not dwell on the past. But see, I am doing a new thing. A life following after Christ should be a life that is being continually transformed to look more like Christ, to be more empowered by the Holy Spirit, to be transforming even the atmosphere in the community around us. A life of Christ is a life of transformation. I believe God has that for us this year. As individuals, as families, as every generation, that God wants to do something in us that's more than just the hype. It's more than just a feeling. It's an actual deep inner work of disciples being disciples and being able to say yes to following him every day of our life in perfect freedom, but in perfect empowerment by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Does that sound like something anybody wants this year? Come on. Does it sound like something anybody wants this year, to be more like Jesus? To see transformation in your family's lives? To see transformation in your community? But it starts in our hearts. It starts with allowing the work of the Holy Spirit to begin the transformation through us so that we may find ourselves at any stage in the transformation process, but we know that God is at work as we are faithful through those stages and as we're allowing him to do what work in us through Christ. Would you stand with me? I'm gonna invite the, the worship team to come on up and we're gonna sing that song that we somewhat resurrected from a few years ago, but it's called Graves into Gardens. I mean, it, it fits in nice with the imagery, but there's a truth there that no matter what we're going through, if it feels like you're in a very dark place, we're not asking you to wash over that. We're not asking you to forget that you may need extra resources, other people to come alongside you during this season. No, we're, we're actually good with community. But we are recognizing, we want to encourage them that God can do something that is bringing new life to those places that are dead. What I love about what Paul's teaching us is that we're never going to arrive until we see him face to face. We see in part, that's the same imagery of the mirror, we prophesy in part, we proclaim what we believe to be true, 
but we will know just as we are fully known when we come with into his presence one day and that's the hope we have but it's to receive Christ as our Lord and Savior and so I would encourage you today first of all if you've never received Christ as your Lord and Savior it's as easy as this admitting the sin admitting the wrongdoings you've kept down in your life and, and understanding that you are not able to come to God by yourself you need Christ's salvation acknowledging that believing Jesus Christ as Lord died and rose from the dead and is forever beside the right hand of the Father then we you can do that today we will encourage you we will celebrate with you today just receive the Lord come see one of the pastors after if you'd like to, to talk and just pray that through but you can do that right now even as we sing the song say God I, I receive you as my Lord and Savior and start this new chapter in your life as a part of your transformation journey. But for the rest of us, for those who have received Christ, wherever you are in your journey, you have yet to arrive. God doesn't want you to be a passive disciple. He wants you to be an disciple who follows him wherever he goes. In order to do that, we must be in tune with him. We must be in love with him. And we must allow the Holy Spirit to do that transformation in our lives. So would you commit to that today? Pray from your seats as we sing this song. Would you declare his ability to do something new in your life? And with anticipation, we'll go from this place going, God is just beginning something new in our hearts, in our congregation, in our families, in our community because of his faithfulness. Amen? Amen.